Psalms 2, verse 8. It's on the screen. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Luke 18, 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Men ought always to pray and not lose heart. We often use Psalms 2 verse 8 to speak about missions. It's an important scripture for Beth and I. It's the theme of our missions ministry. And it's our marching orders. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations, people groups for your inheritance. We believe God has given us the nations for our inheritance. But this also includes our nation. We don't want to neglect the preaching of the gospel in the United States of America. I don't know about you, but I want to witness and participate in a Christ awakening in this nation. I want to see our nation set ablaze with the fires of revival. So why are we praying today? Why did we get on our knees? Why did we cry out for our nation? Because we're living in what Paul prophesied as perilous times. These are times of difficulty according to 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous, dangerous times will come. These are times of deception. There's a spirit of deception that is coming against our nation, coming against the youth of our nation. 1 Timothy 4.1, now the spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. These are times of danger. 1 Corinthians 15, 30 says, And why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? In jeopardy every hour. These are times to be diligent in prayer. Colossians 4, 2, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. E.M. Bounds says, Prayer concerns God, whose purposes and plans are conditioned on prayer. His will and His glory are bound up in praying. When the church is in the condition of prayer, God calls always flourishes and his kingdom on earth always triumphs. When the church fails to pray, God's call decays and evil of every kind prevails. Dr. Jack Hayford says prayer opens the doorway to the dynamic that shakes, shatters, and does violence to the world of darkness. Hell's force holds no respect for our attempt to match his wit or its workings. It is forced to yield ground to those believers who pray until they receive power. Prayer can change anything. The impossible doesn't exist. God's is the power. Ours is the prayer. Without him we cannot. Without us he will not. Samuel Chadwick says there's no power like that of prevailing prayer. Of Abraham pleading for Sodom. Jacob wrestling in the stillness of the night. Moses standing in the breach, Hannah intoxicated with sorrow, David heartbroken with remorse and grief, Jesus in sweat of blood. Add to this list from the records of the church your personal observation and experience, and always there is a cost of passion unto blood. Such prayer prevails. It turns ordinary mortals into men of power. It brings power. It brings fire, it brings rain, it brings life, it brings God. Jesus said in Matthew 21, 13, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Our nation's divided today. Our values as believers are under attack. The family's under attack. Wickedness and perversion are celebrated. 
And what is wholesome and pure is persecuted. And to read in the news about a, a precious little toddler being molested and, and abused to the point of death by people on drugs and people who are demonically possessed, it breaks our heart to see those things in nation. I don't know about you, but I hate drugs. I hate what it does to my family members. I hate what it does to our children. I hate what it's doing in our nation. And we need revival in this nation. Got to have breakthrough in this nation. You see, our freedom as a people and the propagation of the gospel depends on freedom. It's time for the sleeping giant to wake up. What is the sleeping giant? The church is the sleeping giant. We have such potential to accomplish great things for God's kingdom. If we don't pray for our nation, who's going to pray for it? I've had people on mission fields tell me we pray for, the, the, for, for America. We cry out for America. We're praying for your nation. Oh, we depend on your nation. You sent missionaries to come here and preach to us, and we're saved today because missionaries came from your nation, so we pray for your nation. People are praying for our nation, but if we don't pray and we don't carry the burden, who's going to pray for our nation? If we don't pray for our families today, nobody's going to pray for your family the way you'll pray for your family. Nobody's going to pray for your children the way you'll pray for your children. Nobody's going to carry the burden for your family the way you'll carry the burden for your family. Who's going to pray for our lost children and our grandchildren? Who's going to have the burden to pray for those that you should be burdened for? Ephesians 5.14 says, Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you life. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul continues. He says, Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Romans 13, 11, and do this knowing the time that it is now high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. Throughout our nation today, churches are joining together and getting on their knees praying for our nation. This morning, I want to talk to you real quick about three things that I believe that we need to know about concerning the power of prayer in a praying church. First of all, what is the purpose of prayer? Why do we pray? Why has God chosen to use prayer? He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere present. He spoke the worlds into existence. He administrates time and has orchestrated the, the plan of the ages. He's created this material, created order that we live in. Why does God choose to partner together with us in prayer? Dutch Sheet says a sovereign God made a sovereign choice to limit himself in many ways and situations to the actions, decisions, and requests of human beings. In 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, it says that God will heal a nation if his people will humble themselves and pray. In Psalms 91, 1, it teaches that God will provide protection from harm if his people will dwell in the secret place and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. In the Lord's Prayer, we are to pray for a release of God's will on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. John Wesley, the great revivalist of England, said God does nothing on the earth save an answer to prayer. What is the purpose of prayer? Why does God use the discipline of prayer? We pray because we have a relationship with a living Savior. Jesus Christ came into this world to redeem us and make us part of his family. In Romans 8, 14 through 15, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. What is the purpose of prayer? It's communication between a sovereign God and his people. Now, if I live, I've been married to this beautiful lady here for 30 years. She's my best friend in the whole world. We're one. She knows everything about me. I know everything about her. I can start a sentence. She can finish a sentence. That's come out of communication. Now, if I say that we've lived together for 30 years and we don't communicate. We just say good morning in the morning and good night at night and don't say anything in between. 
And we don't communicate. That's not a proper relationship. Listen, we're in relationship with a sovereign creator. and We have to communicate. We have to learn to know his voice. And he'll recognize our voice. You remember he came down in the cool of the day and he cried out. He called out to Adam and Eve as was his custom. He would come and commune and fellowship with them. That's what prayer is about. Prayer is not preaching a sermon to God. It's not a monologue. Prayer is a conversation between the sovereign God and his children. And here's the thing I found out about even a sovereign. A child of that sovereign can get access to that sovereign when the prime ministers and the presidents of the world can't get access. I'll grant you those grandchildren over there in England can get the attention of Queen Elizabeth. They can go in. They don't call her your majesty. They call her Grammy or grandmother or something. They may do it for political reasons in public, but they have relationship with her. They have access to her. She'll take their phone call when they call. I don't know if she texts or not. <laughs> I don't know if Queen Elizabeth's on Twitter or not. I know she has an iPad, but that's what prayer is. We pray because we have a relationship. Oswald Chambers wrote, he said, prayer is not simply getting things from God. It is the most initial form of prayer. Prayer is getting into perfect communion with God. In prayer, we connect we communicate and we commune with the living God. I like what Dr. C.M. Ward writes. He said, prayer is the highest form of communication. See, throughout the Bible, God's met with his people and communicated his will to them. He met Moses and he gave him the law and defined his covenant with his people. He spoke to Joshua and gave him these instructions in Joshua chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. He gave him a fourfold conditional promise. Number one, he gave him a promise of prosperity. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you, verse 3. Secondly, he said, I'll give you victory in battle. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, verse 3. Then in verse 8, he says, I'll give you good success. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Then fourth, there's a reward for obedience. He said, I will not leave you nor forsake you in verse 5. Prayer must communicate our heart to God's heart so he can impart his word into our hearts. We pray because God has established prayer as a means of communication with heaven. Aren't you glad you don't have to pay Verizon or AT&T or Cricket or T-Mobile or whoever? You have a direct line to heaven. Secondly, let's talk about the power of prayer. When you pray, it produces power. Someone has said, if you swept off your feet, it's time to get on your knees. We find in our study of the scriptures that prayer can dramatically change situations, people, and sometimes even the course of nature. Powerful prayer will be prevailing prayer. Powerful prayer will result in breakthrough. We have to contend for our promises in prayer until we experience the breakthrough. James 5.16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Jeremiah 29, verse 12 and 13, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Terry Edwards writes, he says, Prayer is our power source. It is the way we link up with God and plug into the energy source that allows us to move in the authority that we've been given. Luke 10, verse 19, Behold, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. and Nothing shall by any means hurt you. J. Sidlow Baxter, if you ever get in a chance to read any of his devotionals, you need to read them. He's a wonderful writer. He said, men may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. 
Acts 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Hannah is an example in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verses 1 through 20. Hannah was in a tough marriage. A man had two wives and she was the second wife and she was barren and in that day that was looked down upon. And she went to the tabernacle. Eli was the priest. And he came and rebuked her because she was praying. But she was in such a place of prayer and travail. He didn't recognize the spirit of God. And he rebuked her and accused her of being drunk. And if you read about Eli, he wouldn't rebuke his own children. And they were committing adultery and doing all sorts of immorality right at the door of the tabernacle. But he came and he rebuked this lady. And she said, oh no, you're mistaken. She was crying out for a child. And the Bible said that God answered her prayer and he gave her... Samuel. And Samuel came to be one of the great leaders of Israel. And the Bible said of Samuel that none of his words fell to the ground. He became one of the most recognized and gifted prophets in all of Israel. God answered her prayer and not only blessed her, but blessed a nation. In Acts chapter 16, verse 22 to 26, Paul and Silas, you know the story. They're shut up in the inner prison. They've been put in solitary confinement. They've been beaten. They've been stripped of their rights. They've been falsely accused. They've suffered injustice and now they're in prison. And the Bible said at midnight, Paul and Silas sang praises unto God. They began to declare God's glory and God's power over their circumstance. And God sent a Holy Ghost earthquake. See, God will send you a personal earthquake. It may not register on the Richter scale, but it'll register in the spirit world. Hallelujah. And he'll break every chain. And he'll open every prison doors. And he'll bring you out. There's power in prayer today. The Bible says in Acts 12, 1 through 17, Peter was in prison. He was awaiting execution. He's chained to guards. And the early church began to pray. Acts chapter 12 verse 5 says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. I like the way it reads in the King James Version. Listen to this. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And within hours an angel come and he escorted Peter right out of the prison. See, Paul got an earthquake, but Peter got an angel. I don't know what you need today, but God's got an earthquake or an angel to come on your behalf. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did in Acts 12 and Acts 16, he'll do right now on July the 1st, 2018. There's power in prayer today. Then notice thirdly, the peril. I believe that one of the most dangerous sins in the body of Christ today is a prayerless lifestyle. See, we've been taught in our nation to be self-sufficient. We've been taught to make our own way. But I've come to tell you, that we need Jesus. That we need to learn to depend on him. Without him we can do nothing. But I like what the scripture says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on somebody. I want you to listen to the words of the resurrected Christ. To the church of Laodicea. In Revelation 3, 17 and 18. Because you say I'm rich. You have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. That you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. What are the perils of a prayerless lifestyle? Well, first off, there'll be a loss of your fervent love for Christ. In Revelation 2 4, the Lord corrects the church at Ephesus for leaving their first love. He counsels them to repent and to return to their first love. Now, listen, every pastor in that district 
if Ephesus came open, would apply for Ephesus. Ephesus had the best buildings. They had the best pay package. They had the best church in the conference. Everybody would have applied for Ephesus. It was founded out of revival. You remember Apostle Paul went there in the book of Acts. They took little pieces of his apron and sent them out. And the Bible said all of Asia heard the word of the Lord and they touched that whole continent for the glory of God. Man, they had a history unparalleled. And every preacher said, if I can just go preach, if I can just go pastor at Ephesus, I'll be successful. But Jesus comes to Ephesus and he commends them for all the things they've done well. But then he gets to the heart of the matter. He said, you've lost your passionate first love for me. That begins when we, it don't, see backsliding don't start in the back, it starts here. It starts with a prayerless lifestyle. A loss of our fervent, passionate first love. May we recover our first love today. Secondly, a compromising believer. 1 Timothy 4.10, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Without prayer, we will get more prone to give in to temptation and compromise our godly principles. Without a vibrant prayer life, we'll become morally desensitized to sin. Things that used to prick our hearts. Things that used to bring conviction. We can just sit right through it. Don't bother us at all anymore. We become desensitized. Why? Lack of communication with the Father. See, when I communicate with the Father, He imparts His heart to me. And the things that, that hurt Him and the things that, that are offensive to Him become offensive to me. I begin to carry His heart. And when I pray, and I, I don't pray the way I should, and I, I pull back in my prayerless condition, I'm like Demas. I love this present world. And I become desensitized. Third is a loss of the favor of God. Proverbs 12.2 says a good man obtains favor from the Lord. My daughter texted me early yesterday morning. She left about 4, I think, a.m. to go to the airport. And she got one of the people. She was there to take her to the airport there in, in, at Penn State. There's a little airport there at the, that little town. And she was flying out at about 6 a.m. So if you're going to be on the plane at 6 a.m., you've got to be at the airport by 5 a.m. And she said, Daddy, pray for me because I'm really tired. I got a long day and she's still en route. She's got one more flight and maybe she's on it now, but she's got one more flight and then a little bit of a train ride to get where she's going. But what she didn't know is I was already awake. And I was praying the Lord had just woke me up. And I was laying there and I was praying in the spirit. And I was interceding. And I got that text and I just texted her back and I said, I'm praying, baby. I'm praying for you today. I was already praying. I was already talking to God. See, you, there, there's no way we can pray too much. I don't feel like I pray enough. I feel like I struggle in my own prayer life at times with prayerlessness. God help me to be more in tune. The Bible said to pray without ceasing. I'm working on that. I'm asking the Holy Spirit, teach me how to do that. Teach us how to pray. I don't want to lose that favor, and I don't want to miss what God is doing because I'm distracted by the things of the world, and I'm not tuned into heaven. Next will be a weary, weary believer. A weary believer. Isaiah 43, 22. But you have not called upon me, O Jacob, and you've been weary of me, O Israel. When we fail to pray, we get weary. The Apostle Paul warned the Galatians about not being weary in well-doing. Next, it will affect our speech. Prayerless believer will be a negative believer. Job 15, 4 and 5. Yes, you cast off fear and restrain prayer before God, for your iniquity teaches your mouth, and you choose the tongue of the crafty. We'll get negative in our speech because it affects our faith life. Next, it'll cause us to be scattered. Jeremiah 10, 21, for the shepherds have become dull-hearted and have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they shall not prosper and their flocks shall all be scattered. 
it will cause us next to turn back in the day of battle. Zephaniah 1.6, those who turn back from following the Lord and have not sought the Lord nor inquired of him. See, the enemy comes against your prayer time, gets you busy. If you read a magazine or you watch a television program, and there's nothing wrong with reading magazines or watching television, the devil never disturbs that. You can sit and watch TV, and you look at you watch and say, wow, I've been watching this for two hours now. I didn't realize it. No disturbances. But when you get ready to pray, the enemy will do everything in his power to distract you in your prayer time and to keep you from that place of prayer. The enemy's never one time tried to keep me from watching Andy Griffith. <laughs> He's never one time tried to keep me from watching a movie. And I like to read about computers and things like that sometimes. And if I'll open up a magazine and I'm reading about the latest app or whatever, the enemy never attacks me. But man, let me get in the word. Let me start reading a book. And every distraction in the world comes against me. The enemy wants to keep you from prayer. You have to be diligent. You have to be... In, you just have to be intentional and you have to press through every distraction to pray and cry out to God to see that the enemy don't rob you of that time of prayer. You see, prayerlessness will provide an open door for the enemy into our lives. So it's time for us to repent and do our first works. It's time to get on our knees, cry out for our nation, cry out for our city, and cry out for our families. You have a prayer guide right here that we gave you. It's filled with scripture. It's written by my wife. We had put it into a different font and put it on a, a different paper and we put it in a, a nice folder and we presented that to our congressman, the third district, Jeff Duncan, in his office in Washington, D.C., along with an appeal to heaven flag. And then we went together to a members only chapel. There's pictures somewhere on Facebook of us in it that very few people know about. It's right off the gallery in the rotunda of the Capitol, and only Congress members can access it. And we went in there and we prayed together for our nation. Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. I'm not contending for England today. I'm not contending for Panama today. I'm contending for America today. And I'm contending for Greenwood today. Found this quote, and I'll close with it. Prayer power has never been tried to its full capacity. We want to see mighty wonders of divine power and grace wrought in the place of weakness, failure, and disappointment, let us answer God's standing challenge. Call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Hudson Taylor. I believe it was Hudson Taylor that was the great missionary to China. And as they were sailing to China, they reached a place where they were in danger. There was no wind. And the ship was drifting towards reefs. There came a knock on the door. The captain said, we've done all we can do. We have no wind. And he said, well, there are three Christians on this ship that I know of. And we will gather together and we will pray. And during the prayer time, he went up and he told them, he said, put up the sails. They said, but there's no wind. But he said, if we're going to believe God to bring the wind, we've got to put up the sails. We've heard different ones in this church stand up and say, Pastor, God's bringing revival to our church. I had a dream. I saw it in prayer. So we moved on that. We said, if this is the word of the Lord, we want to be in position for it. So we started a process of positioning ourselves. We're putting up our sails. 
And there's a lot that's been happening behind the scenes and still more to do. There's a lot of work going on that you don't see. But that's okay. We're laying the foundation. We're putting things in place. We're believing God that when we get the structure built, He'll fill it with His glory. See, He don't pour new wine into an old wineskin. He has to first form the wineskin. Remember what He told Ezekiel? He said, stand, prophesy to the bones. Bone came to bone. He said, prophesy to the sinews and the muscles and the tendons. And, the, and then He said, prophesy to the flesh. And the Bible said there was an exceeding great army standing there, but there was no breath. Then he said, prophesy to the wind. And the wind came. Folks, when we get the structure in place, then we can prophesy to the wind. And the wind will come. But we've got to get that in order. And first priority number one, we have to be a people of the word. You want to keep from deception? Get in the word. You can't be deceived if you're in the word. The spirit of truth works through the word. Secondly, we got to be a people of the prayer. We got to get calluses on our knees again from crying out to God. 102 years ago, this church was founded in the mill office right over here on this, what is a vacant piece of ground for the most part now. Because they wanted to bring the message of Pentecost and the message of of living a sanctified life to this neighborhood and this community. And for 102 years, this church has existed. Now we can look back and we can just become a museum of relics and talk about what God did in the past. Or we can press in as the people of God today and say, we've had 102 years, but the best is yet to come. We've had great moves of God in the past. We've seen many called to ministry. And we can just rest in that and say, we'll just coast till Jesus comes. Or we can say, no, we're going to put our hands to the plow. And we're going to refuse to look back. And we're going to touch nations. We're going to plant churches. We're going to raise up leaders. And we're going to reap this last day harvest in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I choose the latter. Anybody with me today? I choose the latter. Thank God for the great men and women we stand on their shoulders. Thank God for the moves of God in the past. We're trying to connect with that and bring about a synergy of the ages. And we're trying to bring those promises of old into this time we're living in now. But we've got to find God's place and plan for us today. And we'll get that on our knees. Father, this morning... We've already been to this altar. We've already gotten on our knees. We could have very well have dismissed and went home and said it was good to have been in the house of the Lord. But we knew you had more for us. And I pray, Father, that our church will not be known for good deeds and charitable deeds. Our church will not be known for good works, great preaching, powerful worship but we'll be known as a people who know how to touch the throne of heaven in prayer that truly we'd be a people of prayer that we would see miracles breakthroughs salvations as a result of the prayers of your people 
that God people would come in one way and leave another way because of such prayer that has saturated this place. That Lord, it's like, it's like honey when bees get into a wall. It'll find a crack in a crevice and it'll run out and run down the walls. Let prayer be like that. Let it find its place in the very structure of this house. And help us, Father, in this day to reap a last day harvest. And to receive all that you have for us. And to move into the things of God the way you want us to move. And we lift up our nation. We pray against every terrorist attack. We pray against every plot of the enemy. We pray for our leaders. We pray, Lord, that all of this uh, anger and all of this speech of accusation made against one another, that they're just, they're just falling in with the accuser of the brethren, that, Lord, we'd rise above that. We pray for the victims of this shooting in Annapolis, the families that were affected. We pray, Lord, that every mass shooting that's being planned right now would be exposed and that the individuals that's going to perpetrate this violence would be caught and that, Lord, that not another mass shooting in a school will take place in this nation. In a, in, a, in, a, in a club, in any place, Lord, where people gather. We pray in Jesus' name. And we pray that your will is going to be accomplished in Greenwood, South Carolina. God, raise up righteous leaders in this nation and in this city. In the name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen.